would you stand? Amen. And let's say, God bless you, Brother Mayo. Let's give him all the praise. Oh, come on. Let it come from way down inside somewhere. I need something deep this week. Let's start tonight with some deep praise. Jesus. Jesus. I love you, God. It is indeed an honor to be here tonight, and especially to be asked to be a speaker. Incredible responsibility, and yet at the same time, I feel excited to be in this place. And I want to give um, honor to this church for continuing to sponsor the vision, to impact a world that's in need of apostolic leadership. And we want to honor Pastor and Sister Young and uh, the bishop and his wife, which are irreplaceable to me and my wife. We appreciate them so very much. To all the men of God that are here, we give you double honor. I'm looking across this audience here tonight and seeing some familiar faces that I have uh, learned to love and respect and admire even before I was um, called into the ministry. Many of you I looked up to and still to to this day, and I love and appreciate you so very much. I'd like to draw your attention tonight <clears throat> to the book of Genesis, chapter number 6, to all of the sponsors um, of No Limits. I say thank you for continuing to support and buttress this tremendous meeting. I um, have sought the Lord diligently about this service tonight, and um, with the tremendous men of God that are going to be following me the next several days, I think it would be wrong for me to say that I have the word, but I believe I do have a word. Genesis chapter number 6, and reading in your hearing verse number one, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in and unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man, whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Verse number five, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination. I want to preach to us for a few moments tonight on the crisis of the imagination. The crisis of the imagination. If you'd put your Bibles down and one more time, if we could just unify under the canopy of this tremendous spirit here tonight. There's enough faith here to turn this city this entire geographical location upside down. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, love you, we praise you, we honor you, we look to you now. Anoint every heart. Come on, lift your voice with us and pray now. We've come to no limits to be changed, not just stirred, to impact. 
by the authority of the name of Jesus, we love you and praise you. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I was scanning this audience um, during the worship service. I was looking for my brother, Chuck. Are you here? Would you lift your hand? Well, I don't see him. But uh, he told me he was going to try to make it tonight. I was going to make a big deal about him being here tonight. But we have two more nights and some tremendous ministry. This particular portion of scripture um, that I've read in your hearing tonight is without question, theologically, probably one of the most challenging portions of scripture for um, anybody to tackle, even those that are biblical exposers and theologians and other denominations and lettered men seem to be divided quite a bit on some of the very salient points and occurrences here in this passage of Scripture. And so I am not going to take attempt, an attempt tonight to try to delve into this tonight. In fact, I remember as a new convert uh, asking fellow new converts all kinds of questions, um, particularly about this portion of Scripture. And it always ended in aggravation and loud voices. And do we have any new converts in the house? Thank you. But what we are seeing here is the end of the antediluvian age. God is intervening in a world that has become incredibly corrupt, a world that has lost its bearings. We see gradual anarchy and worldwide promiscuity displayed here. Um, the Bible goes on to say that there is sexual promiscuity, certainly a lack of restraint that happens in several of these scriptures. The Bible also says in verse number 11 that the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. And so we see just in the spiritual temperament that is taking place here that sex and violence governed the antediluvian world. We have a third aspect of this. We have giants that are produced. And I, as I said previously, I'm not going to try to understand or explain all that. I do have a theological opinion. But the Bible says, interestingly, that the same became mighty men which were old, men of renown. Now, this word renown means fame, to attempt to become famous, to attempt to gain and garner incredible influence and glory. Simply, this is a situation where people were attempting to find fulfillment and satisfaction by becoming heroes much like our world today, whether it's a basketball player, a rock star, or whatever. But we see a world that has absolutely lost its mind. A form of insanity has absolutely taken over the world. And then in verse number five, the Bible said, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination... It's interesting to me tonight that God would absolutely um, look at the human race and be able to calculate every single thought and say that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I submit to you tonight that I believe that man gradually began to move into the realm of living by fantasy. I believe that sexual promiscuity and the fantasizing that comes with that and also the end result of that, which is violence. And then the fantasy of power in which men become intoxicated to gain a following and to, and to become heroes in the eyes of others. And in this situation, God makes this statement. He says, my spirit shall not always contend or attempt to bring back 
or to cordon off man. God attempted to influence man with reality. But when humanity continues to give itself to the lust of the flesh and to the lust of power, the fantasies that continue to feed the human heart, God could no longer restrain them. And so God's response to this is that he shortens man's longevity to 120 years. I personally believe it's because God could not continue to accept it any longer. And so the ultimate end of this is that God is going to destroy the world. The misuse and the abuse of the imagination is something that I see as a central theme throughout the Word of God. In fact, if I could just digress for one moment, I do not believe that Genesis chapter number 6 is actually the very first occurrence of imagination gone awry. I really believe that in Genesis chapter number 3, when Satan began to toy with Eve and began to focus that they could become gods, that they could become something beyond what God had originally created. I mean, what else would you want? Dominion and subduance and power and promise and blessing from God. But Satan tempted her to leave the comfort of that promise and to begin to consider that maybe there's something more and something different from what God had originally created. Even after the flood, God speaks to himself in Genesis 8 and 21. And the Lord smelled a sweet savour, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. God did not share that with Noah. He did not share that with his family. It is as, as if God got an understanding about even though I have destroyed the world, Yet evil imagination still lurks in the heart of men. We see God's judgment following the abuse and misuse of the imagination again. In Genesis chapter number 11, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained for them which they have imagined to do. God is trying to continually to either corral man in lest his imaginations destroy him, or try to rein man in, lest his imaginations go too far in the influence of mankind. There are numerous other examples of God's judgment being associated with the misuse and the abuse of the imagination. In the pre-exilic history of Judah, in the book of Jeremiah, the word imagination appears more than in any other book. The prophet, the weeping prophet that never converted one soul, continued to address the imagination of man. We see also in the book of Ezekiel, now they are in exile. We see through the prophet Ezekiel, we see a very rare glimpse of what is taking place in the heart of God's people. In fact, if you have your Bible and would like to flip over to the book of Ezekiel, I'd like you to see this tonight. We got all night. And I'm not done till God's done. Hallelujah. The book of Ezekiel, chapter number 8. Jeremiah begins to preach and address the evil imaginations. And yet now they are in exile and God is revealing to the prophet how they got there and why they remain. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 8. Um, verse number seven, and he brought me to the door of the court. And when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Then said he unto me, son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. And we're being given an inner look into the mind and the spirit of God's leadership, even though they are in exile. And he said unto me, go in and behold the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping things and abominable beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. This is, a, this is an illustration of what is in their heart. There are filthy, unclean, creeping things in their heart. 
and that which is on the wall is that which is meditated upon at eye level. Verse number 12, then he said unto me, son of man, has thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark, every man in the chambers of his imagery? For they say, the Lord seeth us not, the Lord hath forsaken the earth. This chambers of the imagery lies deep in the recesses of every human being and had become so polluted and defiled that they were given over to fantasizing about things. And God only knows what. An image tonight is a picture. It is a singular mental snapshot. An individual thought. A freeze frame of the imagination. God has always been against these images becoming the object of worship. In fact, uh, pagan cultures would take that which they, they tried to interpret deity through graven images. And God warned about exploiting the images that are not in alignment with the word of God. Idols always evoked jealousy and judgment from God. We see this in the New Testament in the book of Romans chapter number one where it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without... I don't need anybody to tell me about God. There's a sun that rises. There's a sun that... Come on, somebody. All you need to do is step out on a starry night and say, I know there's a God because this is awesome. All you need to see is a baby being bored with tiny fingers and tiny feet to say, there is a God. Hallelujah. But what we have in Romans chapter 1 here is also like described in Genesis chapter number 6. We have the gradual enterprising of an entire human race. The Bible continues on because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. Wherefore God also gave them up. Man misuses his imagination and God says, I won't always strive with man. Man continues to push the envelope in his imagination, and God says, I'm going to destroy the world. They changed the glory. And then in verse 25, they changed the truth. And then they changed the image of the incorruptible God. What is an imagination? Well, all of us have one tonight. Artists, authors, sculptors, all of them rely on the imagination to begin to try to articulate what they see. In fact, the word art is a short version of articulation. They operate from the imagination to begin to express what they feel and what they see. Biblically, the word imagination means to frame. It means to form. It means to take a singular thought or a collection of thoughts and begin to array them in such a way that it can become a direction, a device, or a dream. It is that component within you and I that when we were made in the image of God and when God wanted anything, he spoke to its source. When he wanted fish, he spoke to the sea. And as long as those fish stayed in the sea, they would exist. When he wanted birds, he spoke to the air. And as long as they stayed in the air, they were doing all right. When he wanted the beast of the field, he spoke to the ground. But when he wanted man, he spoke to himself. We being made in the image of God and in his likeness have certain physical attributes that... um, that identify with a spiritual component of God. And this imagination is the component within you and I that can create, it can dream, it can visualize, it can get a vision from God. It can see what others don't see. 
It can shape a life, shape a pathway, shape your future. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. Oh, hallelujah. Whereas the memory, which is another component of our mind, deals with the past. It is the imagination that deals with the future. This imagination in a child of God gives us a very important opportunity to visualize things in the Holy Ghost. Book of John, chapter number 3, verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I want to stop here long enough to just say, thank God I can see some things tonight. Oh, come on, you might be under pressure, you might be under a load, but thank God you've got vision. You might be struggling, you might be under the yoke, but thank God you've still got your sight. Hallelujah. The Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, but it has been revealed unto us by his spirit. How important is it to be able to visualize? I really believe tonight that once you are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, that this imagination is the ability to see those things that are not as though they were. Jesus said this in John 5 and 19. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. It, is no, it was known to the previous generation as being the eye of faith. The ability to imagine divine possibility which fueled hope, faith, and endurance. To the soul winner, it's imagining that precious soul in the altar with his hands lifted and tears streaming down his face. To the home missionary, he moves into a city where there isn't a church, but he believes God showed him there's going to be a church. To the pastor that built a new building, he believes God's going to fill it to overflowing. Come on, somebody. Don't let anything tamper with your imagination. Oh, let's praise him some more. To the young person, it's getting a view of your future. And if you're old enough, who to marry and who not to marry. As a young man of 30 years of age, when I first got saved, I believe the Lord took me to a place in the Holy Ghost in my imagination, where I could hear the thud of a hammer and I could see a crown of thorns. If you really want to repent, God will activate that imagination and show you things that Star Wars could never produce. Show you things that Hollywood could never produce. Show you things, come on somebody, I'm fixing to preach here tonight. You got something in you that'll give you a vision that'll get you out of your dilemma and get you out of your prison and get you out of your hell. Oh, let's clap our hands some more. Yes! Hallelujah! To the foreign missionary, it's to see a nation, a kindred, and a tongue that has no voice for God. To the backslider, God is able to renew your dream and your desires for God. I'm gonna say it again, because I really believe I'm, I'm reaching for somebody right now. But if you really wanna repent, when I was a new convert, I, go, I got so sick of doing some things that I could do nothing but pray and wait on God. And he took me to an old rugged hill where there were... Young preacher, you need to go to that hill if you're going to get an anointing. 
You're going to have to see the blood streaming down if you're going to carry an anointing. Jesus said, the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. This God-given ability to see, to understand. And though we see through a glass darkly, you can make some things out that will build your faith like nothing else. It must be protected. The Bible says without a vision, the people perish. Before you can ever be resurrected, you're going to have to get your vision back. I believe No Limits is a great place to get your vision back. I believe I wouldn't wait another night. I wouldn't wait another night of going through the doldrums, of just going through the motions. I'd say, you know what, God, I'm getting a hold of this preaching tonight. Whatever I got to do, whatever place I got to find in that altar, hallelujah, I've got to maintain my vision. In this hour with the darkness and the spirits that are so prevalent in our world, there's one thing you can't afford to lose, and it's your vision. If you've got vision, say yes. God bless you. You may be seated. In the Old Testament, he was called the seer. And now everybody through the baptism of the Holy Ghost can become a seer. In fact, it was the ministry of the Holy Ghost in John 16. Jesus describing it to his disciples when he said, and he shall show you things to come. That wasn't just to the apostle and the prophet and the pastor and the evangelist and the teacher. That's to everybody. That's to everybody. The very first revelation that God ever gave me almost 21 years ago was to get rid of my television set. You can say amen. Pastor hadn't taught on it yet. Nobody had come over and worked me over yet. People were actually afraid of me. I was so wild. They were afraid. There were some people who said, invite anybody over to the house but that guy. You know, we got expensive furniture and stuff, and he might make a mess. Well, I was a mess, but I ain't no more. I came in one night after a Wednesday night Bible study over on La Quinta Court and uh, the television was going full blast. It was a Al Pacino movie, Scarface. I'll never forget this as long as I live. There's a reason why I'm going into this tonight. Um, As I sat down after coming out of a Holy Ghost service, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, either that goes or I'm going. Because you see, God's destiny for my life would have been ruined if an image of something that he brought me out of. Are we fixing to have church around here? Because now you know what I'm trying to say. Why would I bring something back in if the Holy Ghost just got it out? Why would I want to go back into chains? Oh, you know what I'm saying. Some people are saying, well, this is okay, and that's okay, and this is okay, and that's okay. You don't understand what I came out of. I can't afford to get in front of that. I can't afford to ruin my anointing and my prayer life and my call of God. Oh, let's clap our hands. Come on, somebody. You say we're, we're on the camera tonight. I don't care about 
about the camera. This is from the Holy Ghost. We've got to have an imagination that can give us a vision and guidance and illumination. And God will not come in where there's trash. You may be seated. Go ahead, I need a drink. My God, I feel like running. I feel like shouting. I feel like dancing. I'm free and I know that I'm free. Don't tell me I'm missing out on anything. I've seen things that Hollywood could never reproduce. Yes! With a roar of praise, let's give it to him. Come on, you get your dream back. You get your vision back. You get your holiness back. You get your desire back. Tonight, at no limits. God bless you. You may be seated. We are in a crisis of the imagination. It is Satan's desire to tamper with this creative element within man to defile it, to pollute it, to control it, to possess it. Sexual addiction is the only addiction known to man that already has the drug within you. And all it takes is an image. But I'm here with good news. Greater is he. That's uh-huh. Way down on the inside. Come on. You have not, you're not out of the boat. Stay in the boat and say, God, I gotta have my vision back. I gotta get my desire back. I gotta see what I used to see again. At no limits tonight. You may be seated. What I didn't understand with God asking me, or let me rephrase that. Giving me an ultimatum. I believe that God is trying to protect me from what he was planning on moving me into. And in this hour, we don't need filthy dreamers. Men of polluted minds given over to doctor. Oh, come on, somebody. We need purity and holiness from side to side. You're in a Holy Ghost place. You're in a holiness place. Wherever the Holy Ghost is, if you let it influence you, it will become holy. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the unclean and defiled is nothing pure. When people's imaginations have deteriorated. You can say hello to them and it means something else. You can look at them wrong and it's interpreted in another way. You didn't shake their hand. You didn't call me. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. I'm glad that I'm in a holiness church. Because the eye is the window to the soul. The eye is that outward component that physically we can relate to terra firma in the physical realm. But then inward eye, that third eye, the eye is used as the medium for polluting the imagination. Jesus gave an extreme illustration of the misuse of the eye and the imagination when he said, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust, that's one thing to admire beauty. (laughs) 
Some of you know what I'm saying. Brother Larry Booker's here, my dear friend. He was uh, somewhere with Brother Ken Bo about two weeks ago. And my wife was there. We took some praise singers and helped a brother out at an anniversary. And she came home. Um, the next day we got to talking. And she said, you know, I think Ken Bo's kind of handsome. I said, well, I think the dude's ugly. <laughs> you know, I got an ego too. You know. You know, I got to survive this thing. Now, Brother Bo, if you're watching this tonight, please forgive me. I'm putting it in context for you. It's one. Some of you responded more to this now than you were a couple minutes ago. It's one thing to recognize beauty. It's another thing to get that imagination to work and to where you're going, uh-huh. Samson was a deliverer and a prophet. But because of fantasy, he lost his eyes. Saul was a king that was head and shoulders above other men. It was God's ideal for his people in stature. But because of his fantasy of power, he lost his head. And then we have David, who is our... Old Testament version of an internet pornography person. At the time the kings went to battle, David stayed home. He had children, he had responsibilities, he had a wife, concubines, whatever. But he got up when his family was asleep and got up on the roof when nobody was looking. He viewed a woman and he lost some children. Fantasy will cause you to lose the most precious things that are dear to you. Let's lift our hands and let's ask God to help us right now. God, I need you tonight, Jesus. Nowhere in our world tonight is fantasy. Having the, as great an end time revival, but through technology. Television, videos, and the internet. Now, I have internet. In fact, our church recently got a new webpage. I believe that it is a powerful medium that can touch the lives of others. That's, I don't even want that question here tonight. But according to recent statistics, there are 12 billion pornographic emails sent every day. You know, the danger of the Internet is because it's so secretive. It's anonymous. Nobody knows except you and God and the devil. There are 72 million visits to porn sites a year. 47% of the Christian community, straight across the board, said that pornography is a problem in their home. The crisis of the imagination. 53% of all promise keepers, men, visited a porn site last week. One out of three visitors to all porno sites are women. The devil's got the world. The devil's got religious groups. But what he really wants is us. And I'm here to proclaim he can't have me. Come on, you need to make up your mind tonight. We're too late in the game to mess around. We're too late in the game to let some silly little something cause me to lose out with God and lose my vision and lose my head and lose my children.
I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sir and ma'am, if you've got junk in your mind, let's get full of the Holy Ghost tonight. What do you say? What do you say we kick off no limits with a new consecration and a new dedication and a new infilling? Come on, somebody. Let's renew ourselves in the Holy Ghost. Let's get our vision back. Let's get our purity back. Let's get our passion back. Oh, come on, let's worship the Lord for a few moments and give him praise. We are his people. We are a royal priesthood. That we should show forth the praises of him that called us out of that mess. The crisis of the imagination. There is a vivid picture between Samson and Saul that will help us, whoever you are, wherever you are tonight, maybe somewhere beyond even our shores. You're wanting to get free. You're wanting to taste of that liberty. You're wanting to find your place in God again. There is a place that will help us. There's a place where truth and fantasy square off. The Philistines. Got a hold of the ark. They took representation, had the word, his presence, his glory. And they took that into the house of Dagon. Now, Dagon was an idol, he was an image. He was an image that was half man and half fish. And I don't believe that these Philistines understood or even considered what was about to happen. But I believe that God was sending a strong illustration of what happens when you bring truth into the presence of fantasy. The priests of Dagon left the ark next to Dagon considering that surely by tomorrow morning something incredible will take place and our God will be known as God of gods. But that's not what happened, Brother Morgan. When those guys came in the next morning, God had slapped Dagon down on the rug. If you will keep the Holy Ghost and the Word of God in your imagination, God will slap him down like he did Nebuchadnezzar, like an ox that eats grass. Oh, come on, somebody. In No Limits tonight, let's get some grit. Let's get some passion and say, I'm tired of this, honey. I want to get free. I want to be liberated. I want to be on top of my game. Oh, clap your hands and give him praise all over this place. The Holy Ghost is moving in here right now. I feel a liberty coming. I feel an unshackling coming. I feel an empowerment coming. I feel a Holy Ghost liberty coming. Let's just do something under God. fought me tooth and nail not to deliver this message but I'm telling you this is your call to come out of darkness back into the light to get your eyes back to get your dreams back to get your children back to get your integrity back 
Yes, you can have it. Say, yes, you can have it. You may be seated. I don't want to be presumptuous here tonight, but there's probably more than a handful of people that understand exactly what I'm preaching tonight. And I want you to know I'm your best friend. And the Holy Ghost has come into this place not to put you down, not to shame you. you got to be part of this revival. God's not going to give up on you. God's not going to say no. God wants you to be part of it. Oh, let's shout and give him praise. Your greatest day is just ahead. Yes, it is. Woo! You may be seated. If I can be a little bolder. And I thank God for an unfettered pulpit. I am tired of watching people come in to our church and have a genuine experience and respond to the genuine gospel. And some little old something just flicked them off. The reason is, is because this generation is not praying like former generations. If you're going to be delivered, you're going to have to say, honey, just I'm going out, I'm going without dinner for a few nights. I'm going to go to the church for a few nights. You don't have to divulge everything, but something in you needs to say, God, I want to be free. I can't live like this. I have no testimony. I have no power. I have no witness. I have no joy. Tonight is your night to get it back and claim it. In the name of Jesus. I've heard of all kinds of horror stories. Of church secretaries and church assistants. and Pastors' wives. And good saints. That become ensnared with fantasy. And the wheels of their imagination begin to meditate on an image. You don't know if that other person... Is what they say they are. I heard of a sting operation that took place last month in Riverside County. Where in a two day period. After sheriff's deputies impersonated a 12 year old boy and a 13 year old girl. And they got into some of these chat rooms. And began to lure men to have a liaison. And they had a sting house. And in the next house over, there was a Winnebago that was parked in the driveway. And there were agents that were waiting. And in a two-day period, they arrested 50 men. You're thinking, oh, well, those are the guys that are carrying the aluminum cans in the bags. No, they were college professors. One was a federal agent for Homeland Security. They were people sitting there just like your neighbors. I'm telling you, it's everywhere. It's a crisis of the imagination. But in Sacramento and in your city, there is a place where there is purity and power. Oh, come on, somebody. Where you can get your dream back. Where you can find your destiny. When you can find your reality. Oh, clap your hands some more. I can't get enough of him. Let's get free tonight. Let's get loose tonight. Let's cast it to the wind tonight. Yes! Spokane was greatly reproached. The city I love, the city God called me to. Our mayor, who's a very renowned statesman. There's that word renowned again. I guess it fits on his part. He got voted in as mayor a year ago or so. 
and he was caught at City Hall on city computers going through gay websites. I said, get him out of there. I say, yank him out of there. Somebody made the observation that after former President Clinton had his dalliance in the White House, that there was unleashed a spirit of fantasy on all leadership. I want to tell you, every man needs prayer in this hour. If you can learn to pray, there's no time like now. When I came to God, I was 30 years old, and God didn't have an entire lifetime to amortize his process. So I... Just up until recently, I told my wife about a year ago, whatever it was, I said, honey, I just feel like I'm, for 20 years, I feel like I've been through one thing right after another. I wasn't feeling sorry for myself. It was just, it just was a reality for me. And God gave me the revelation because he didn't have an entire life to get me where he wanted me to be so he could use me like he wanted to use me. He had to put me through that process that was hotter and maybe a little bit different than what other people went through, but I'm not complaining. If you're in that process, you need to thank God you're on the wheel tonight. You need to thank God God's getting that out of your life. You need to thank God every day that the conviction, come on to somebody, I'm preaching to you right now. You better thank God that the spirit of God is contending with you, saying no, 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 let's pray through, get rid of it, get it out of your house, you don't need it. Anybody over there? You need to thank God for the process that he's putting you through. It might be pressure. It might be hard. But he's got a plan in the end time with your name on it. He doesn't have an entire life, an entire generation to produce what he wants to produce in us. One of the first things that I ask our new converts when they're struggling, I said, what's your prayer life like? So I wouldn't be here tonight if somewhere God hadn't touched me and egged me on. And as God began to splash things in my spirit and I began to see things, I saw what I wanted to be within the first 18 months of being saved. And that wasn't God saying, well, it's time for you to go and preach. That was me. That was God telling me to put myself in alignment with the man of God. Hallelujah. Until I developed that kind of character. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and ask God to help us again tonight. Holy Ghost is here in a special measure. Some of you have come from a long way. Nobody knows what's taking place in the inner chambers of your imagery. The Holy Ghost is here to deliver you tonight and to set you free so that you can fulfill what he showed you and fulfill. You're not crazy. That was God. Fulfill what he told you. You're not crazy. That was God. The crisis of the imagination. You need to get the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the presence of God and get it into those inner chambers and let Him deal with Dagon. Let reality put down fantasy. You say, I can't. I feel like I've lost my mind. And we are living in an age where men feel like they have lost their minds. But I'm here to tell you, where there's God, there's help. God can walk right into the temple of Dagon and say, I know who you are, but you don't know who I am. And I'm fixing to show you who's got truth. And if you'll stay in that medium of prayer, after a while, Dagon's hands are going to be cut off. And his head will be severed. His ability to control and his ability to rule. And the truth 
will have made you free. Come on, that's not in the Bible. Just for our recreation, the truth will still make you free. The truth will still set you free. The preaching will still unshackle you. The teaching will still feed you. Bible study will still set you free. The truth will make you free. Yes! Please stand with me tonight. And one more time, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. In just a few moments, sir, God is going to reach for you. In just a few moments, ma'am, God is going to reach for you. When Dagon was slapped down, Paul gave us the quotient when he said, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. If the devil's telling you you're a homosexual, you need to look at him and say, you're a liar. The truth is, I am, me, I am what God made me to be. Last month, February 5th, Detroit, Michigan, there was a song that was performed before 70,000 people and seen by 130 million people. The Rolling Stones were the halftime act at the infamous Super Bowl. There were many churches in Spokane, Washington that canceled their services and brought an image. But I thought it was ironic that after I heard and read about the halftime presentation, that as the crowd went crazy, there was an aged, wrinkled man that was singing, I can't get no. Satisfaction. Rolling Stone magazine declared that I Can't Get No Satisfaction is the greatest rock and roll song ever written. Beyond the Beatles, beyond Bob Dylan, beyond anybody in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. I Can't Get No Satisfaction. The song was written in 1965 and deals with a frustrated white male. It became synonymous with the unrest of the 60s, the rebellion of the 70s, and the absolute carefreeness of the 80s and 90s. I want to send a message to the system. I got sustained. I want to send a message to a rock star tonight. Hey, you two, I found what I've been looking for. I want to tell Madonna, I'm not into material things. I'm into Jesus Christ. Oh, clap your hands and give him praise if you have found that you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. I'm set. I'm satisfied with Jesus. I'm satisfied with the Holy Ghost. I'm satisfied with the man of God. I'm satisfied with the word of God. Clap your hand. I've got satisfaction. How about you? Turn to your neighbor and ask him. I'm satisfied. How about you? I want us to lift our hands and begin to wait on the Lord because the Holy Ghost is already beginning to reach for people in this sanctuary tonight. Some of you have been waiting for a message like this that could put its finger on the pulse of your problem. Others of you have been weeping in the midnight hour looking for a way out only to find all the doors locked and barred. Some of you beyond this building tonight 
are thinking, oh my God, I can really get it again. 